This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love the 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Joan Travers. Joan has been an experiential educator and a wilderness guide for over 10 years. She takes people on remote wilderness experiences, fostering connection to wild places. As an experiential educator, she facilitates leadership development and personal growth for her students. Joan, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So here's how I know Joan. She was one of, um, I took many classes over the pandemic. And what I loved about that time was the incredible people I got to meet along the way and Joan being one of them. So we were in a storytelling class, Storytelling 101 with Second City. And we had just such an amazing cohort. We all met virtually, you know, once a week for about five weeks or something like that and um, put on a show together. And it was an incredible experience. And I felt, I feel connected to the people in that class even uh, a year later almost. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. And uh, one of the things we did in this class was to keep a journal of moments. And it has been one of my favorite things that I've taken with me from not just that class, but like along the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yes. And I think that that, you know, keeping track of moments and things that that um, I've started to do that again as well. I've been off and on. I'm not the most um, that doesn't fall in my strengths, <laughs> but I think it does in yours. But we'll talk about that later. So, uh, yeah, so I've been trying to be more diligent about keeping track of moments and ideas and content and, you know, so that's great. Well, it's so great to see you, Joan, and thanks again for being here on the show. Now, um, this is the part of the show where we have the big reveal as to what 80s song we're going to be talking about today. And so, Joan, can I get a drum roll, please? Joan, what is the 80s song that best resonates with the story you're going to tell us today? The Southern Cross by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yes, great song. I was, I, and I actually listened to it uh, several times last night. And having, knowing a little bit about your story, I can see how you're going to tell us how it resonates. And I can't wait to hear about it. But I do have a little background information on the song. Um, that I researched last night. And it is, um, as we know, it's uh, written by Stills and Curtis. So it was Rick Curtis and Michael Curtis. Now, this was uh, actually came out in 1982, September of 1982. And the best part was that it hit number 18 uh, for three weeks in late November of that year and early December. So it was a really hot 
song of 1982. So here's another interesting thing about the song um, that I that I learned uh, was that, you know, it, it was written by Stephen Stills with the help of Rick, uh, Richard Curtis and Michael Curtis. Now, Stills explained, quote, the Curtis brothers brought a wonderful song called Seven League Boots, but it drifted around too much. I rewrote a new set of words and added a different chorus a story about a long boat trip I took after my divorce. It's about using the power of the universe to heal your, your wounds. Once again, I was given somebody's gem and cut and polished it, end quote. And I just thought that was so cool. Like, number one, that I love how artists can look at a, a piece of work and then, you know, just polish it up, fix it up, and yet still honor the people who started the song, who started the implementation of that work. Yeah. And I think that this song, for me, is just a song that celebrates past mistakes in sitting in this place of reflection and doesn't think of mistakes as regrets. It's yeah. this place of, I've learned from everything and I'm moving on and it's a part of me. And it's hard and it's difficult and it's not my favorite thing, but it's a part of me and I celebrate that. And so I think it's just beautifully written where it's this person who has to sit with this like mistakes and things that they've done in their life, but all those things also put them in the place where they're at all. And I just think it, it just captures that so well. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I look at it through a different lens now, that particular song. So Joan, tell us your story. So this song was actually on a playlist that I had put together. I've always wanted to learn how to sail. Uh, and so when I turned 30, I moved down to the Caribbean and I was working on sailboats briefly down there and was crewing on a sailboat, but never really learning how to sail. But it just made me so happy. And I knew that this is something that I wanted to do. So I worked for an organization called Knowles, the National Outdoor Leadership School. And they decided that they were going to invest some time and energy into teaching me how to sail in order to kind of put a little bit more into their sailing program and kind of reinvigorate their sailing program. So in the midst of all of this, I had kind of created a playlist. My work is typically I'm either working 24-7 or I'm totally off. Uh, and so when I'm totally off, I'm kind of left to my own devices of daydreaming and, and putting things together. And so I'd made this playlist to keep myself really checked in and focused that like, oh, I'm going to learn how to sail and this is what I'm going to do. And so Southern Cross was one of those songs that I had liked and but didn't really understand. It was just on this playlist mm -hmm. and uh, kind of skipped over it every once in a while or it just kind of was on in the background. And then when I went down to Mexico, I was learning how to sail on these 22 foot long boats. They're open wow. boats. They're basically row boats with sails on them. So if there's no wind, we're rowing. And uh, it was a three weeks that I was doing. So I was totally checked into this. I was away from cell phones and internet and all of those things. And I had this playlist with me. But what we don't realize sometimes is that when we learn things, especially as an adult, it is incredibly hard. Um, yes. <laughs> all these things where every time you're trying to do something and you fail and you fail and you fail and you forget that it takes failure to learn, you have to, you can't do something and be good at it. And sailing is just so complicated. There's new lingo, there's 
there's understanding wind, which is invisible. And on top of that, it's so physical. So you're just exhausted all the time. So when I was down in Mexico, one of the beautiful things about it is sleeping on the shores. The stars down there are so vibrant. And so I would lay on the beach at the end of the night and I would put in my earbuds and I would listen to this playlist. And every once in a while, the you know Southern could come up and I'm, it again was just kind of this song that I skipped over. And I would just, in this place of learning and failure, you can't help but escape. Like if I'm failing at this, then this is what it feels like to fail. You start recalling all the other things that you're bad at. Oh, I'm like a bad friend sometimes. And I don't call my mom and, and I'm a failure at this. And I like dropped out of college and I fail, I fail, I fail. And you're just stuck in this place. And this is one of those songs that I listened to at the end of the night. And as I was starting to learn how to sail and, and there, certain things are clicking very slowly, there were certain words that were coming up in the song that were very sailing specific. And so uh, they talk about sailing a reach and they talk about meeting the trade wind, talk about 80 feet of waterline and, and a silver chain tied to the anchor. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I know what that is. And so it took on new meeting and I was kind of cracking the code of this. And so in addition to like learning how to sail, all of a sudden I was cracking the code of the song. And the reason I was cracking the code is because I was finding small successes in this. I was like, oh, this is clicking. I know how to do this one little thing now. I can't sail, but I know how to do this one thing that involves sailing. And the more I learned and the more I was getting the grasp of it, the more the song just kept making sense. And then all of a sudden you're under the stars and you're listening to the song and no longer is, it's no longer about sailing you're like on the boat with him, you're sailing. And in addition to all of this, like not only are you feeling the water and you're feeling the salt and the breeze and everything, and there's no other sounds, there's no motors and you're accomplishing all of these things. In addition to that, all of a sudden you start hearing the other words of the song and you hear his emotion and you hear all his regrets and I should have called you and, and these things and you hear this person sitting with it in this beautiful moment, he's thinking about past lives. And for me, it was just this, this beautiful song of learning how to sail and and then also just being with yourself. And so for me now, when I listen to that song, I can't not be on a boat in my mind. And I've listened to it so much in the last week. When you uh, asked me to do this, I had looked up the song. I'm like, please let it have been made in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those songs that like, I just feel something. And it's, I feel like there's there's very few songs out there that, that, that do for us. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I have so many thoughts about this. And so essentially you went to Mexico, like you had worked on, on boats before when you were in the Caribbean, but you had not, you know, actually learned to sail. And so when you were there, so was it you on that type of boat? How many people were on that boat? Was it like you and two other people? And it was uh, an instructor and about two to three students. And you. Me. Yeah. So I was one of the students on that course. So oh, learning how to like roughly about four to five people on these boats and they are, it's tight quarters. Yeah. I mean, we're down there with, um, basically everything is packed in such a way that it just kind of, it has to fit. And so there's also our water tied to the floorboards and it's just, um, it's efficient, but it just kind of is, um, yeah, it's tight quarters. Wow. I mean, I just, it's tight quarters and 
there's so much unknown because you don't, I mean, although I know they can see where, which way the wind's going to go and all of that, but we're still dealing with mother nature, right? And things can change. And it's like being in that moment and, and on that boat for what, three weeks, you said? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Talk about sea legs. I bet you, you, you must have been wobbling when you got off the boat. <laughs> I, there was one instance of being seasick. And it was really, it's really funny to experience from a student perspective, because then when you're dealing with, as, a, as an instructor, when you're dealing with people that have seasickness, you can empathize and you can feel that, right? And so when you're seasick, and I just remember that, of course, so specifically, because it was just one day of being seasick. And all you can think of is, I, there's a part of your brain that says, it will be fine. You'll be on land soon. And there's another part of your brain that says, I will never feel better. Yes. And and they're just warring with each other. And in the meantime, your stomach is just doing absolute somersaults. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. you've got other people on the boat. And like, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be sick, I want to be sick in private. And <laughs> and and you still have to do you have to do the things, right? Like yes. you're out there. And so you can't just like not hold on to the lines because you're not feeling good. Like you still have to pay attention. You still have to know where the waves are coming from. And it does like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how sick you are. You have to fail. You have to sail the boat. And so it's also this check-in of consequences too, right? Like what are you getting yourself into and in feeling those consequences and not just like, not just having them explained to you, but being there in the moment and saying like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like that's not an option. You have to do this. And so in doing that, you think about all of the consequences before you sign up to do something or before you decide to like engage in condition or less than ideal. Wow. Amazing. Just, you know, we'll get into strengths later, but I can, or I mean, and I know my audience, you know, is right now can hear the strengths coming out in this uh, as well. And, um, but it must've been like being out on that ocean. And like you had said, you know, I imagine you guys taking a break in the evening and looking up at the stars. I mean, it must have been just magical, those it moments. Is. It's, I mean, it's beautiful down there. And so it's this place where the desert meets the ocean. Mm. And so it is so dry and it's these like amazing conditions. And when you're down there and you have, you have to pay attention to the wind and you have to pay attention to the sun and all of these things. And you get to understand like how the land breathes. So in this area in Mexico, the, it cools off. It gets really cold overnight. And then in the morning, the sun hits the land and the sea and it heats the land up faster. So in the morning, it's pretty tranquil and calm. By noon and then afternoon, all that hot air from the land rises and the sea fills it in. And that's what gives you the wind to sail. And so all of a sudden you see the land and the ocean breathing. And then at the end of the day, when the land cools down and you're put everything away and you're just sitting there and the stars are starting to come out, you you can breathe too. And it's just, you feel totally in tune with those things when you're down there. And then, and then you get to the opportunity to see the actual constellations and be able to them. And I had the fortunate opportunity of also um, working with folks who are from that area in Mexico. And they talk about, you know, certain times of year that are fishing and, oh, these fish aren't biting anymore because it's the morning and the sun is up and you can't see the whole constellation of the Big Dipper. So this fish isn't biting anymore. And how in tune they are with those things. And all of a sudden you start to see those things too. Like, oh, the days are getting shorter, but I can't see this constellation more. Wow. Wow. And in positive psychology, they call that awe, like practicing awe. And um, it's just you. I mean, that 
is like three weeks of awe. Like when you weren't getting sick <laughs> or, you know, working hard against the wind, you were really able to just soak in and then notice more and then notice more. Yeah. There's it's this study, it, right? You can't, yeah. you can't have yeah. great days without bad days, right? And right. so you can't, you have to experience it all, right? There was this interesting study um, that I just was thinking about, um, and I wish I could reference exactly specifically who did it, because I like to credit, give credit where credit's due. But in positive psychology, when they were talking about awe, people who went out for awe walks or you know went to go practice awe, they were asked over a period of time to take selfies of themselves doing a walk, doing this type of walk. Then they had the control group was like, go for a walk and take a selfie. Now, for those who uh, ended up t- practicing awe while walking and taking a selfie, their face in the frame became smaller and smaller and smaller because they wanted to capture more of their environment. And it sounds like for you, you went there with no cell phone, no distractions, and then you had people who draw helped you draw attention to certain things that we wouldn't have ever, you know, you wouldn't have probably noticed or wouldn't appreciate in that way. You probably would have noticed it, but just not appreciate it in that way. So it must have been just, uh, you must have been on cloud nine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And it's really, I always explain to students and like friends when I come off these course, the hardest question that you'll ever ask that you'll ever be asked after an experience like that is how was your trip? And you're like, ah, ah, where do I begin? I can't, where do I begin? I can tell you about the people I met. I can tell you about the things that I saw. Nothing is going to accurately capture it. And I've changed. And that's a hard thing to to articulate in the amount of time that people are willing to like actually engage and listen. The hardest question ever off of these experiences is how was your trip? Wow. So amazing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with adventures and with the COVID being shut down, you know, how did you pivot during the, this time? Like what has been, cause you said if you were either on and you're on 24 seven or you're off. So what was the pandemic like for you as an adventure guide? It was hard. It was really hard. I think in a lot of ways, I thought I was strong enough to handle and capable, like capable enough to handle change. And I was patient enough to sit with it. And I was really challenged in those notions. I struggled a lot in trying to figure out who I was and, uh, and what my worth was, uh, you know, side of like, oh, this work isn't here anymore. And in a lot of ways, when you talk about a virus, where I go and what I do, I'm actually safer doing those things than I am in a city. And so trying to kind of marry those thoughts. And I had an experience where I had kind of had enough of, of trying to figure all this stuff out. And so I went into the wilderness with a group of friends uh, in the Arctic in Alaska. And we were doing like a, a pack rafting trip where we basically, there's a boat that's about the size of a basketball and it fits in the bottom of your pack. And you can hike up into really far areas, blow up your boat, put your backpack on top and float the river out. Wow. And so we were going to hike this um, beautiful river in gates of the Arctic National Park. And I got eight miles in and had a total panic attack. And it was this thing where there was so much mental anguish that I wasn't addressing. And I thought going into this place that was really familiar would help me out. And it's, it didn't. And it was this realization of like, this is a scary place and you need to be in charge of, of what you're doing and how you're acting. And I wasn't in a place to do that. And so I pulled the eight miles in and, and I said, I can't do this and walked out. I was like, this is, it's too unsafe to be here. And it was this kind of notion of challenging these things of what I thought I was capable of. 
in a way that feels really helpful to me now that I'm yeah. on the other side of it. Yeah. But it was a struggle. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I I can imagine, especially with the adventures, the extreme adventures that you, you know, you go on as a guide and then also as a participant, because, you know, that's part of your business, right? And yeah. and I'm thinking about how many people have felt that way on adventures that you've probably coached through as well. And I imagine, you know, coming out of COVID when you were really stuck in your apartment house in Chicago, and then all of a sudden you're in the Alaska, Arctic Alaska, it's almost too expansive. It was, yeah, it was just, it was this moment, there was like a very poignant moment where I was crossing a river, which is like a really dangerous thing to do. And there's ways to mitigate that risk, right? There's certain actions that you can do that make it less risky. You can assess it beforehand. You can undo your backpack. You can a certain way. And we were crossing and crossing and crossing because it was the safest way to go kind of up into this one mountain that we were trying to cross this pass. And it was this moment where I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And I had this kind of aha moment where like, knock it off. You need to pay attention. And my knee-jerk reaction within myself was like, I don't care. I don't care what happens if I misstep. And I was like, no, you can't be apathetic here. Like, you, this is unsafe for you. And you're putting your friends at risk because if wow. something happens to you, they're the ones who have to deal with it. And so it was this moment where I was like, if you can't focus here and you're going to do something harder, you don't belong here. And it's a hard thing to do. Also saying like, I'm not capable of this right now to a group of friends that you love and respect. And so, um, wow. Yeah, having it's it's so common in the outdoor world of this, like you hear it a lot in something called summit fever, where somebody attempts to climb a mountain, let's say Denali, and they climb it and then they have to turn around because of something and all their hopes and dreams and training and money that went into this and they have to turn around. And I've met people who are at the bottom, they got evacuated off and they're still thinking, uh, I didn't actually need all my toes. I could have just made it. And they're actually rationalizing this way. Right. And so kind of those small victories are like, oh, no, I listened and I made the right choice and I did a hard thing. Uh, and for me, it was also this place where not only did I do the hard thing, I started talking about how I was struggling. And it opened up the door for a lot of my friends who I hadn't seen in a long time to also say, I'm struggling too. And this is what it looks like for me. And I think wow. there was a lot of checking in that wasn't totally honest. And I think we're constantly processing what we're going through, right? Absolutely. We're in the midst of things and we're still in the midst of things. And so hundred uh, percent. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. Wow. And and then just the fact that you had that, I love that to hear like the responsibility of to take care of yourself, but then also to take care of those that are with you and to have that wisdom, which we're gonna it's a perfect segue into your strengths. Um, but just to have that wisdom to know, and I can only imagine how this is going to benefit so many people that you are going to be seeing in the future because Joan and I were talking right before we got on here and her business is booming and there's a huge appreciation right now for her line of work, Adventure Guide, because people want to get out. You know, people have been cooped up in their homes and they want to go be outside. They want to be with people. They want to reconnect. Do you want to share just a little more about that? Yeah, I think right now people are in a place where they want to be outside. They want to go do these things. And there's this other piece. So I work in the summertime in Alaska. I've been up there for about 10 summers. And Alaska has this different allure than everywhere else. Alaska is this bucket list and people 
save and go on vacations in Alaska and justify their spending there the same way they would justify a wedding, right? We're only going to do this once and it's going to be spectacular. and We're going to do all these things. And these places are wonderful and beautiful. And if you don't know what you're doing, can be very scary very quickly. And so I think what's interesting, the shift that's happening in the world right now is uh, a lot of us want to go back to work. And I think there's a different appreciation for the skill set that we have all accrued over time and kind of a reckoning that everyone is experiencing right now of like, oh, I was valued at a certain amount before. And what's my value now that people want to go outside and they deserve to have people who have experience and judgment and all those things. It's not something that you learn in a book, you learn it by doing. And there's just kind of, um, it's, an, it's an odd thing to put a price tag on and it's, um, but it's, it's also a really exciting thing to go with people who are so excited to be there and, and be present in this thing. And I love nothing more than watching people ceremoniously turn off their phones And one of the things I work with kids as well, um, college age students, and in the six or seven years that I've been doing this, people always like, my kid should do this. And one of the most interesting things is they're like, my kid would never get rid of their phone. And in the seven years of doing this, I've never had a student ever say, I miss my phone. I miss Instagram. They miss music, but no one misses their phone. And so I think it'll be really interesting to see the way people check out of technology in the next year. Yes. Love to hear that. And I also wanted to speak to something quickly before we go into our your strengths, which was something you had mentioned in your story, and, and you kind of touched on it again, was knowing your value. So I think a lot of people who were furloughed, you know, myself included, during that time, or didn't have the same job, it was, it was tough. It was like knowing yourself when you weren't a boss, or knowing yourself <laughs> when you weren't crushing it at work. It's like, okay, you know, so here we are in a pandemic, I'm not working, you know, and, and, and it's like reevaluating, you know, what are, what are my values and what is my worth and how much, what is it tied into what I do versus who I am? And it's like that human being versus human doing. Right. And I think this silver lining for me, was really becoming a human being. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that I'm most excited about in getting out there is reconnecting with people after going through what everyone is experiencing is trauma. And so talking to college students who, I like worked a course in Southern Utah a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I took a group of students canyoneering for 16 days. And yeah, hearing what they miss and what they didn't miss and reconnecting with people who are engaged in becoming better was just such a cool experience and, and a, yeah, just kind of a reinvigoration in education. So it's been fun. So great. So great. So this is the part of the show that we talk about the VIA strengths and the VIA strengths. There's 24 of them. You can take this assessment online. It's completely free and it's your, you know, VIA is by way of, so it's how you show up in the world by way of these strengths and they're all individual and they're all unique to the individual. And so I've got your strengths right in front of me. Do you mind if I read them off? Please. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So for Joan, and you're, you're going to already, audience, I know you're getting real good at this, but uh, you're already going to be able to pick out what strengths were in her story. So number one, she's got curiosity, which is under the virtue of wisdom. Then she has leadership at two. Um, she leads uh, these adventure tours. Humor. 
um, and that's under transcendence, appreciation of beauty and excellence, uh, which I'm going to talk a little more about transcendence. That's under transcendence. Forgiveness is five. That's under temperance. Uh, Fairness under justice. Perspective, again, under wisdom. Eight. Zest is under courage. Honesty. Get it. You're seeing a theme here. Courage. And then kindness, humanity. Uh, So number 10 is kindness under humanity. So it's such an amazing package of strengths you have, Joan. And I, you know, I spot strengths and um, I can tell you which ones I, I can see in the story that you told. And then I'd love to hear your perspective on, on which ones you use and uh, which ones resonated most with you when you took this assessment. So obviously, guys, under the virtue of courage, you know, you see zest, you see uh, honesty. So with honesty, it's not only just being honest with one another, but it's truly being honest with yourself. So when she shared that story of how she was out and, you know, uh, you said eight miles in, she had an honest moment with herself that she was not prepared uh, emotionally to continue and she would put herself at risk as others. That is really tough, guys. If you've ever had to have a, you know, talking to to yourself about honesty and about being honest about a situation, it's challenging and that takes courage. And so we saw that one right away. Her curiosity, obviously, look at the line of work that she's in. She's curious about a lot of things. She was curious about sailing and then all different types of terrain and all different types of why, how things work. Not just, not just like, Oh, that's interesting. It's like, no, you take it to a deeper level of really being curious as as to why, which is why when um, you had people uh, native to uh, the area in Mexico, that it was so interesting to you to hear about the fish and how it related to the constellation, right? And um, and then we have leadership. Obviously, she leads these uh, adventures, and I can't imagine a better leader. I would feel so good knowing that you are my guide in those situations because I do get panicked in, in certain situations, especially closed spaces. So then appreciation of beauty and excellence. I want to touch on this one. This is not like when you read that title, it kind of seems like uh, kind of uh, superficial, but actually it's not. Appreciation of beauty and excellence is to really understand what it takes. So when when Joan watches a sailing competition, she's looking at it from a totally different set of eyes. She appreciates the work that it takes to move the boat from here to there and direct the wind. And you have so many moving parts. So with appreciation of beauty and excellence, she's not going to look at that situation just for what it is. She's going to go in and really appreciate the discipline and the work that it took to get to that place. In addition to that, awe falls under this one. So obviously in her line of work, she practices awe all the time. And, um, and then also this particular one is really about pro-social behavior and altruism. So that falls under appreciation uh, for of beauty and excellence. Uh, I would love to hear your responses to your strengths. How how did you feel when you took the assessment, and what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I really enjoyed this activity. I feel like I do so much facilitation with other people um, and listen to them and kind of meet them where they're at and quantify what they're talking about. And so it's really interesting to do that myself and have that kind of spit back at me. Yes. Um, And so, so much what I do in experiential education is curiosity driven, right? 
And especially when we become so dependent on things like Google, I'm just as, just as cute as this, of like having this like know-it-all in your pocket, right? You can just find out anything. And so tapping into curiosity, I think is one of those things that people, like it's this like lost forgotten thing because all of this information is always at our fingertips and living in this place of curiosity can be so fun. It can be really challenging in order, especially if you're used to just kind of information at your fingertips. So I I love that curiosity was one of mine. And I feel like so much of what I do in education is, is trying to um, drive that curiosity for other people mm-hmm. and just have them engage in whatever they're passionate about in the moment, right? Because those things change. Yeah. And leadership and humor and uh, I humor. Do, yes. Yeah. I do. In going into these kind of wild spaces, uh, I have to work typically on a team. So for the school that I work at, um, when we go out into the wilderness, we're working with where between one other person with us to six other people with us. And you have three days to get to know each other and you all have to be on the same page. And so trying to like figure out that, that, that clue, that missing link that gets everyone on the same page and working as a team in a very short amount of time, we constantly get asked kind of like, what is one thing that makes you feel loved and welcome? And humor is the one thing that I like, I just love to laugh. Yes. And so trying to like understand and explain that. And then what's really funny is like a few days in, we're working with people that are like, oh, I'm really glad you mentioned humor. That is like such a huge part of, of who you are and what you do. And, uh, and when you, when you're part of this process of trying to constantly team build effective teams, you get to know things about yourself. And so I was happy that humor came up so high on this kind of thing. Yes. It's something that I identify with. It's, it's, it's nice when it's like kind of almost affirmed. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And then what I love about zest is you've got zest and that's also under courage. This one is uh, and I'm getting this from Dr. Nemec's book, uh, Virtue. It's uh, the Character Strengths Interventions by Dr. Nemec. But uh, the research highlights are this is consistently one of the top two character strengths most associated with life satisfaction. And I think that that's, you know, zest is such an amazing strength to have. And I also believe that that's so amazing that you have this as an adventure guide and as an experiential, how did you say it again? Experiential educator. Education. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Ex- mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And then uh, it's also highly connected to engagement and meaning. You see work as a calling. And I would say that is spot on. Health behaviors and work satisfaction. So when I saw zest on the list, I was so excited in the sense of like, oh, that's what I've never thought of before. And I like that one. Yeah, I've just never seen it as a descriptor. And one of those ones that I'm like, oh, not only do I feel like it fits, I like want to use that that word more as like a descriptor for people that it fits for. Because like I felt if it felt like such a compliment. 100% it is. It, you know, it's mm-hmm. such a great strength to have. Well, I, I love that you took, I want to thank you for taking the time to to do this activity because it really did come true in your story so much. And then the other story that you told us as well. So thank you for taking that. And um, I would love to hear an action item for our audience today. So with all of the experience that you have, what would be your recommendation? I tell this to everyone, young and old, is not a think piece, but an action piece is to 
not think of a bucket list, but write your bucket list down. Don't put it in your phone, put it on a piece of paper. And when you're done with things, physically cross them off. It is such a relief and it, it, it puts... It puts something physical to something that is in your mind. And so for me, it was life-changing. And a lot of times when I talk to people, they're like, oh, your bucket list must be like, go do this amazing thing. I was like, yeah, I have those things on there. I like would love to like learn how to surf well. Like that is something on my bucket list, but also on my bucket list is like make a pancake the size of my stove, like Uncle Buck and like all these things that are really fun and goofy and And so, but when I wrote it down and started crossing things off, all of a sudden when I was in the moment and accomplishing these things, it felt monumental. I think one of the things I had on there was to catch a fish with my bare hands. And I was on a trip in Alaska and we were at a fish hatchery and all the, it was a salmon run and they were all coming back, but they were all coming back and they were on top of each other. Like you couldn't believe that there was water there because there was so many fish. And so I told one of my, the people that I was guiding, I said, oh, it's on my bucket list to yeah. catch a fish with my bare yes. hands. And here's my opportunity. And I was so excited. And all of a sudden, everyone was excited and they all had their phones out. And I picked up this fish and then a minute it moved. I like screamed and threw it back. <laughs> but I've done it. But you and did it. It was just this elation of, of feeling like I accomplished this thing. It wasn't this afterthought of like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. It was like, I've always wanted to and I'm going to accomplish it. And then when I was done, I scratched it off the list. And so for me, my action piece is write down your bucket list and revisit it. Because the longer you live, the more things you're going to want to put on there. And the more you talk to people, the more you're going to want to add to it. Like, I also want to do that. Write it down. So that's my action piece. Amazing. I love that is a perfect action item. Guys, we have our marching orders. We're all making bucket lists. (laughs) All right. So here's the part of the show that we talk about 80s trends and all things 80s. And um what are your favorite uh, 80s trends as far as clothing? Well, if we were in your closet, I know you were just a mere baby in the 80s, but if you were in your closet in the late 80s, what would you be wearing? I was such a fan of the tight and bright. I think my mm. favorite outfit was <laughs> like leggings, like, like bicycle shorts that had a stripe down the sides that was like black and neon green, mm-hmm. like uh, tiger print. And then like a matching crop top that probably said a spree on it or something like that. Yes. It was my favorite. And so the big shirt, the big crop top, the tight pants uh, or tight shorts. uh, I love that you said a spree. I totally remember the Esprit shirts and then the Coca-Cola ones too. Remember the Coca-Cola shirts? Uh They look like kind of like a rugby shirt. Yeah. And if you're looking for a great movie that just another movie where you can feel the adventure, both sailing and climbing going back to a spree is a movie called 180 degrees South and it stars Yvonne Chouinard and Doug Tompkins, who are the, um, the people who uh, started Patagonia and North oh, Face. Yeah. And Doug Tompkins is the one who started North Face and a spree was his first brand. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow, yeah, love him and his it. wife started that brand first. Uh, and so it's serendipitous. I was like, Oh, that's my favorite. And now I buy <laughs> all that's... of the stuff that has impacted my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. The brand that keeps going, you know, that's that's a perfect market right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any favorite shows that you used to watch? My favorite, I don't know if I have a favorite show, but growing up, we uh, had Friday nights with TGIF and ABC. So it was like two hours or four shows and they would switch the lineup every once in a while. But we had pizza and we were allowed one can of Coke and we would watch TGIF every Friday. And so it was like, Step by step, different strokes, oh, whole yeah. house, perfect strangers. 
Yeah. Oh, Whatever yeah. the lineup was on that, was that, that night. Yeah. That was, that is fantastic. Yes. I love it. It's so funny. My family too, we were allowed on Friday nights, we would have pizza and we were to have um, one uh, cola bottle for the three of us. Uh, you know, we were allowed one, one drink per, you know, yeah. person. And uh, it was like such a treat, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So then lastly, what, um, oh, jingles. What are your favorite jingles? I, uh, I think my favorite is Big Red. Uh, mm. I read somebody's tweet one time that was like, nothing will match. Like I could have the worst day and they described like whatever this like typical worst day. And they're like, nothing would be the disappointment though of asking for a piece of gum and getting Big Red. And ever since then, I've had that song stuck in my head. And every yes. once in a while, you see it and you're like, oh, the big the red big freshness, red freshness runs, right through, runs right through. Your fresh <laughs> breath goes you on and on. While you're chewing, say goodbye a little longer. longer, Make it last last a little longer. longer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yes, I remember that so well. And I I personally loved Big Red. You know, my dentist did not love that I loved Big Red, but uh, (laughs) and I'm still paying for it. I'm still paying for it now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. How do we get a hold of you to see any of your adventures and if people wanted to take an adventure with you how could they sure um i do have an instagram i don't typically post very often i have found my life to be better with those social media apps not on my phone and so i just don't post that often but you can follow me i still check it every once in a while my instagram handle is j as a joan spice as in spice girls and 13 is yes. in the age i was when i thought of that email address Um, and then I work for a few different organizations and one of the guide companies that I work for in Alaska, if you're looking for an Alaskan vacation that is wild and really remote, uh, I work for Alaska Alpine Adventures. Uh, so check them out. And then I also work for an organization called Knowles, the National Outdoor Leadership School. And that's where I work with students who can, we, we do leadership development. And so a lot of, uh, not just getting from A to B, but all the things that, that equal getting from A to B. And you can earn college credit on those. And that's uh, N-O-L-S dot E-D-U. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was, it's such a pleasure to reconnect. And I look forward to staying connected and getting to, you know, maybe I'd get to go on an adventure with you someday. Like, thank you so much for having me. I have been so excited and buzzing about this all week. And so uh, I actually headed to the wilderness next Sunday. And so... <laughs> And everyone that I told, I said, this will probably, everyone else will probably hear it before I will, which is exciting. I think they will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much for thinking of me. And I'm so proud of everything you've accomplished with this podcast and love listening to it on my way to work. So thank you so much for having me and, uh, and sharing people's stories. It's been really fun to, to hear the guests that you have on here as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.